0: Now whether you like the song or not, of course y'all know that it was sung by Led Zeppelin, that's right, so all you 70 people, you're welcome, uh, that one was for y'all, uh, but that song is actually, it is one of the most iconic rock songs of all time. Uh, that it has been estimated that that song has been played on the radio over 3 million times and in churches once, and so uh, so anyway, so it is a <coughs> tremendously popular song, but probably I would say that one of the reasons why the song is so popular is because of the lyrics of the song. And the song is talking about a lady who's trying to buy her stairway into heaven. And as you know, she's, looking for, she's looking for all the glitters that is going, going to make her life. But as time goes on, it gets a little bit nerve-wracking as she begins to wonder, Have I been on the right path? Am I really buying my stairway to heaven? And I think that the song is popular because many of us can identify with that. I mean, we're looking for a lot of different things that are going to to bring us into the presence of God. There's a a lot of us who believe that we can earn our way into God's presence or that we're going to be able to earn our way to be able to go to heaven. And then as we kind of move to the end of life, we, we, we start looking around and we think, man, all the things that I've sought after, all the things that I've given my life for, haven't satisfied. You know, it's not all that I thought that it was going to end up being. And, and if you have that feeling, then I just want you to know that is a feeling that has been around for, for years. King Solomon actually wrote about this whole seeking after the things of the world to sort of like buy your stairway to heaven as being a futile attempt. And I mentioned it last week in, in Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 9, and I won't read all of it, but we'll, we'll look at some of the scripture. Here's what he said. It says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. What does a man gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And then it goes on down to say, the streams are flowing to the place and they flow there again. And he says, all things are wearisome. Man is unable to speak, and that there is nothing new under the sun. I mean, talk about dep- a depressing passage of Scripture. I mean, he talks about life. Says, what do I have to say about life? That's futile. You know, it's, it's, it's just sort of something that, that we kind of do, and we live, and we come to the end of it all, and man, we are just absolutely disappointed. Now, I'm pretty sure everybody in here, we think, you know, if there is a stairway to heaven, I want to be on it. You know, if there is a stairway to heaven, I'd like to figure out where it is how, so I can make sure that I'm on it. And so some of us trying to find it, we invest all of our stuff in, in getting more and more, thinking that's going to buy my way there. And then you come to the end and you think, man, I'm not even any happier. We think if I just take care of myself and if I live right and I'm, and I'm healthy and I don't do things that are bad things... Then if I don't have an afterlife, maybe I can have some of the heaven here. And you live long enough, and you begin to realize that time takes its toll. And so we have disappointment after disappointment that stacks up. Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the story of a man named Jacob. And Jacob was a guy who was looking always to get more. And I think in a lot of ways we are very similar to Jacob. I mean, he was a guy, if i got to squash somebody to get more stuff, I'm willing to do it. And so he's a guy that is constantly seeking for more and more. But you know what? Peace just never came to Jacob. Jacob just never found that groove where he felt like, man, life matters, life counts, it makes a difference. And so it's in the midst of all this that God gives him a dream about a stairway to heaven. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look today in Genesis chapter 28, we're going to look in, uh, starting in verse number 10 in just a few moments, and we're going to see this dream that Jacob had. And and it's kind of interesting, if if, uh, you look at Jacob, I think that he's a guy who is questioning the things of God. You know, his parents had faith, his parents had all these different beliefs, but he's starting to wonder for himself. And for many of us, we feel like it's a lack of faith if we question the things of God, or even if we have some doubts about the things of God. But I want you to know this. I want you, God is big, and it's not like you're going to have or that I'm going to have some question that God's going to be stumped with. I mean, it's not like God is scared of us having doubts or anything like that. That's where Jacob was. Jacob was a guy who was starting to have some doubts. He, he knew that his mom and dad had some kind of a faith, but he's trying to figure out, where do I fit in? And we talk about, you know, we talk about this great plan, and this great stairway that God has for us, but how does it apply to my life? And so it's here that we see that what happens with Jacob is God gives him a dream, and God teaches him some lessons about this stairway that goes to heaven. And so my hope today is that as we look at the Scripture that we're going to learn some lessons about the stairway to heaven that God provides for each and every person in this room, which is pretty awesome. God has a desire for you to connect with Him. So what are some of the lessons that we can learn? Well, the first lesson about a stairway to heaven, this is what we see, is it all begins with this. God is always with us. When you, when you look at the stairway to heaven and the dream that Jacob has, he is letting Jacob know and he's letting us know. that God is for you. God's not sitting up in heaven saying, I can't wait for him to screw up so that I can put the hammer down on his head. God is rooting for you. God is always with you. Now let me read to you um, starting in verse number 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran, and he reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of his stones from the place, and he put it at his head, so it grabs a rock to become a pillow, and he lay down in that place, and he dreamed. And a stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching heaven, and God's angels were going up and down on it. And the Lord was standing there beside him, saying, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your offspring the land that you're now sleeping on. He said, your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out toward the west and the east, the north and the south. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until until I have done what I have promised you. Here's what's going on in Jacob's life. Jacob was in Beersheba, which means nothing to most of us. He gets up. He goes on a 500-mile journey. Remember, they don't fly back then, right? At best, he's riding a camel. 500 miles on a camel. More than likely, he's walking most of the time. So it's a long journey. Why is he on this journey? He's on a journey. He's going to the land of Heron, modern-day Turkey, in order to find a wife. But there's a little more to the story than that. It's not like he's like, hey, I'm traveling 500 miles. I met a girl online, and uh, we're going we're gonna to hook up, hopefully, and get married. It's not what's going on. What's going on is Jacob had a brother, a twin brother. Anybody remember his name? Esau. You remember what Jacob did to Esau? He he tricked him, but he lied to him about his birthright. He stole his birthright and took it for himself. Now, that doesn't mean much to us today. It was a big deal back then. He got most of the inheritance from his brother, and his brother is royally ticked. Okay? He's the oldest brother, my little brother. He's just absolutely taken what belongs to me, and Jacob's mother comes to him and says, you've got to get out of here. Go to the land of Haran, find a wife, stay there for a while, because here's why. In chapter 27, his mom's telling him this. She said, listen, your brother Esau is consoling himself by planning to kill you. Okay, his brother is like, I am sleeping well tonight because I'm dreaming of the day when I'm going to kill my brother. Okay, so this is what's happening here. She said, so now, son, listen to me. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. So it's with this backdrop, this is why he's on a journey. I have a brother that wants to kill me because I'm a liar and I'm a deceiver and mom said for me to get out of town. Now as you read through the book of the previous chapters one thing you will discover about Jacob is he is a big time mama's boy. Now if you're a mama's boy that's fine but he has, all, mom's always watching out for him. And so his mom says he's going to kill you so he goes he's getting out of Dodge. And so for the first time in his life He's not with his mom. He's not with his dad. He's not with his brother. He is running for his life. He is on a 500-mile journey. He is completely alone. His faith is no longer around him through his parents, and he is vulnerable. And there are some of you who feel the same way. Not that you have a brother trying to kill you, but you just feel alone. You feel vulnerable. You know, we live in an area, there's a lot of, a lot of us who we didn't grow up here. You know, so we, we moved in here, and so we have family all over the place. I was talking to a couple in the first service. They just came here. Their family's in Minnesota. The wife's from New York, and so they're down here by themselves. And, you know, whenever you don't have your family around, you can be kind of strange. You know, free babysitting, but well, that's gone. You know, no no family to take care of one another. You're just absolutely alone. You're absolutely vulnerable. And that is where Jacob was at this time. God knew it. And so, what does God do? God sends Jacob a dream to encourage him. And he lets him know in this dream, he says, I'll never leave you. He says, even though you feel alone, even though you're not with mama anymore, I'm bigger than your mother. And I can take care of things. See, God had promised Abraham and Isaac, you know, this, if you grew up in the church. I mean, you know, the, 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 you know, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's so easy to think, well, you know, Jacob's got to be really pumped about that, saying, yeah, you know, I'm the, I'm my, the, our God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and me. Well, they didn't have stuff written down on paper like we do today. I mean, he is living this stuff right here. And so he, he sees all the promises or hears about all the promises God's given. You know why they're in the land of Israel at this time? It's because God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, go to the promised land, go to Canaan, and I will make you and your family into a great nation. Would that kind of jack you up a little bit if you heard God tell you that? I am going to make your family a kingdom. I would like that. You know, King Eric, you know, King Ralph. Y'all ever seen that movie? One of the best ones. But anyway, just that kind of stuff is like motivating to me. But you know when God gave him that promise, Abraham? Abraham was 75 years old. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I mean, that's not bad. His wife is just a couple years younger than him. You know how many kids they have when God gave him the promise? Zero. So in essence, he's saying, Strom Thurmond, I mean, uh, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Now, you might be thinking, well, he's probably thinking, well, that means I'm getting a new young wife. That's not what it was. God said, it is through the wife you got Now that I'm going to make you into a great nation. So Jacob grows up hearing all of this stuff, all of his life. And yet now here's Jacob, and he's supposed to be the fruition of this promise. So where is he? i got a brother that wants to kill me. I'm on a 500-mile journey on foot. I'm supposed to find a wife, and I ain't got any kids. Where's God? Where is he? You know, a number of years ago, there's a song that came out. Y'all remember Bette Midler, From a Distance? We're singing that next week. Just kidding. Not, not a chance. Now, if you go, through that, you go through that song, it's like God is watching us from a distance. He's sort of like powerless, but he can see us. I, I hate the song because it's theologically, it's totally incorrect. God doesn't watch us from a distance and go, man, I'd love to help, but I can't do anything. No, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts even from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways before a word is in my tongue. You know all about it, Lord. God knows what's going on in our lives. And so when you look at the stairway to heaven, it says angels are going up and down on it. You know what this symbolizes? That God is connected to your life. God is connected. He's not sitting way off from the distance saying, I'd love to help, but I can't do anything. God is connected with man, and he's seeking us out and to know us. And so God tells Jacob in verse 13, he says, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your offspring the land that you're now sleeping on. You know, all these promises, all the stuff Jacob's heard all of his life, it was to his parents, but now God is affirming him right here. He's like, you're vulnerable, but I want you to know I'm with you, even you, even you. Yeah, every once in a while we just need affirmation. God's with us. We hear, we hear all this stuff in the Bible, but does it mean does it apply to me? You know, there's something great about affirmation. I, I love baseball, and Willie Mays was an incredible baseball player. He played for the Giants. I uh, had 660 home runs, third third most ever, and uh, just a great player. But when he first started out, he was in a one for 20. He started out his career one for 26, and he was devastated. He's sitting on the bench. He's crying. His manager was Leo DeRocher. Leo DeRocher came over to him, sat down and said, why are you crying? And he said, I don't don't deserve to be here. I don't belong here. I I need to be in the minor leagues. And DeRocher looked at him and said, let me tell you something. He said, as long as I'm the manager of this team, he said, you will start as center fielder as long as I'm here because you're a great player. After that, you know, Mace ended up turning it around. All he needed was somebody to believe in him. All he needed was somebody to affirm him. That's where Jacob was. And Jacob's alone, and God comes to him and says, I'm affirming you. I am here for you, and I will not leave you. Guys, there is a stairway to heaven for us as well, because God is saying, I've not forgotten about you. I want you. That's the first lesson I learned about the stairway to heaven. God God is with us. He's always with us. But here's another lesson I learned, and that's this. The promises of God last forever. God gives a big promise here. What we discover is the promises that God gives, they last forever. Verse number 15. That's what God said. He said, look, I'm with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Now, the first thing God does is he reminds Jacob, listen, I've I've already promised your father and your grandfather I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and now I'm telling you that promise applies to you as well. Do you know the stuff that we read about in the Bible? When God says that I can forgive you, when God says that I give peace, when God says that I bring eternal life, that, that's, it's not just for people here. It's for you. the same promise. So God's affirming Jacob here. He's saying, I, the promises I've given to your fathers, I, I give it to you as well. Now, I like promises. I'm sure Jacob's like, well, that's really cool. But, you know, I've, have you received a lot of promises before? I've had people promise me stuff. And I'm looking at it going, I'm still waiting for it to happen. I was in college. I mean, I still remember, a tele, I was a telemarketer company was starting out. They're like, if you get in on the ground floor, you all heard this one before? You will receive residual checks for the rest of your life. Promise broken. It's a lie. Didn't happen. I got in on the ground floor, and I guess apparently I was pretty terrible at it. But there's no residual checks. Some of you have been told, if I, if you just invest in this company, you come in, partnership with me, within six months you'll get everything back that you put in. And It's been a couple years. It's cost you. Others of us we hear, you know, if if you eat right you exercise, you'll be in great shape and you'll never get sick. And time goes on and we wrench our back and promise broken and then you come into the church and you hear some guy standing up saying, you believe in God, you'll have eternal life. You believe in God, and you trust Him, and He can forgive you of your sin. And we're so jaded by all the broken promises in the past. You know, we look at that and go, that's bull. I mean, you live, and you die, and that's it. And I'm sure that's where Jacob was. He's heard his father, his grandfather. God's going to make a great nation out of us. Jacob's looking around going, I ain't married. My brother hates my guts and wants to kill me. Absolutely do not believe it. See, he heard his whole life. His grandfather, Genesis chapter 12, he would have, surely he told his family this. He said, the Lord said to me, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land I'll show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you, I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. His dad would have told him the same thing. His dad would have said, because of Genesis 26, he said, live in the land I tell you about. Stay in this land as a foreigner, and I will be with you and bless you. For I'll give you all these lands to you and your offspring. I'll confirm the, earth, the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I'll make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I'll give your offspring all these lands. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring. That's impressive. It's like God's. It's like telling your son. So let me tell you what God told me. He said through our family, God's going to bless the world. That's pretty heady stuff. And Jacob's like, It's a great promise. But that's really hard to believe. God says He's going to give us a land. We're still in the land. We're still living tents. Nothing's happened yet. I don't even have kids yet. So it's hard for Him to get His hands around it. And I think as believers today, if you've grown up in the church, if you've heard the stuff of the Bible, you hear John 3.16. If you believe in Jesus, you will never perish, but you'll have everlasting life. And that's hard for me to get my hands around because I've never experienced eternal life before. You know what would help me? It's if God would you know, like, just sort of like encourage me and affirm me and say, Well, I know you've heard all about this. If, it be, if you just hear like the voice of God and he says, And I want you to know this applies to you, Eric. I'd be like, That is odd. I believe I'm good to go now. There's something powerful about affirmation and encouragement. When you know that when somebody's given a promise, and then they they encourage you and affirm you in it. And this has actually happened to me before in Promises with God. I still remember. This is uh, back in uh, 2001. I met Tally and Peggy Hood. They are over at the other campus now. First people that ever, they just happened to watch my dad preaching on TV. And my dad said, oh, my son's looking at starting a new church in But He just mentioned it. They happened to be watching it. They called me the next day. And so we got together for dinner. And they said, tell us about when did God call you? And I said, you know, it's about in, the, in like November of 2000, I really sensed God telling us to go to Blythe to, to, to start a, a new work. And just, not that I heard his voice, but I just had a real sense about that. And they looked at each other and they said, did you know that we've been praying for eight years for God to do something here? And in last November of 2000, we began to pray specifically that God would put it on the heart of a pastor to come here. What do you think I did? I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh. That was an affirmation. Was, was God, did that give me affirmation that God was involved in all this? You better believe it. I was excited and I was stoked about that whole thing. And because of that, now whenever I see the promises of God, when God says something about heaven, when God says something about forgiveness, it's easier for me to believe because God has affirmed me before in the past that he keeps his word. So what does God want us to know about the stairway to heaven? He's always with you. You He's on your side. God also wants you to know this. He wants you to know that his promises last forever. When he gives this promise, he means it. And it's the last thing I want you to see. final lesson about the stairway to heaven is it requires a decision. God has put a stairway to heaven before us. But he says, But you have to decide what you're going to do with it. Last few verses right here, starting in verse 20. It says, then Jacob made a vow. He said, if God will be with me, and it's not like the if. The if does not mean if, but if not. If means when. You can actually translate it when. So when God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, when he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and when I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. The stone that I set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give to you a tent of all that you give me. God always requires a decision. From us You know there's always a time When God will reveal himself to us And basically what he says is You can either accept me or you can reject me But there's one thing you can't do You cannot ignore me And I really believe this I believe that God and every person's life Will bring all of us to a point where we have to decide Am I going to trust him And what he says in this book And that what's in this book is true Or am I going to just simply choose to follow myself What am I going to do And the key for us is we have to make sure that we make the right decision. You can make any decision that you want. if you want to see God move in your life, you make the right decision. Now, the world offers us a lot of shortcuts. It says, I know that you want this in life. You want want eternal life. You want forgiveness, all these different things. But there's some shortcuts, you know, that you can take to where you don't have to completely surrender everything, but you can still get to where you want to go. You know, shortcuts aren't always the best things. Uh, UPS, and this is kind of interesting, I, I, just, I just read this a couple of weeks ago, UPS encourages their drivers, you know, they, they actually have, I mean, they're trained in like how they, how they get off of their, their truck, they're trying to be as efficient as possible, and they tell them whenever you're driving, make, whenever you can make a right turn, make a right turn over left turns as much as possible, okay, was like, well, okay, whatever that means, but there's a reason for it, they want you to make right turns as many times as possible as opposed to left turns because of this. 50, 55, I believe it's 55% of accidents, car accidents, involve a left turn. Only 5.3% of accidents occur because of a right turn. So they say if you make a right turn, your chances are much greater that you're going to arrive at your destination than if you try to take a shortcut and go left. Now, I think you can apply this to our lives. If we make decisions for God. You know, If we always make the right decisions, even though the world says you don't have to go that way, take a little shortcut this way. God says if you follow me, then it might be a more circuitous trip for you, but you're going to arrive at your destination as opposed to when you go your own way, then you're looking for accidents and trouble. You see, God has set out a path for us and here's what the Bible says about when we choose God's path. Isaiah 26, 7. It says, for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of them. Isn't that good? Follow God. God says, I will smooth out the path ahead of you. And he says, there's only one way to God. And it's through Jesus. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see, and I want you to have this hope. God has plans for your life. I want you to see this. God is for you. And God has a living hope for you. You don't just live and then die. While you're here, you can make a decision to surrender your life to him. And he promises that the promises he gives will always come true. What are his promises? Forgiveness, hope, endurance, eternal life, just to name a few. So here's a question. There's a stairway to heaven. Are you on it? Or not? You want to be on it? I think everybody does. You want to be on it? It happens with Jesus according to his word and I hope you'll get on it today